Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Let's jump into the sermon. God, we give you thanks for the gift of your word. Through it, you speak to our hearts. By it, we are comforted, challenged, encouraged, directed, loved. Speak to us this day by the power of your Holy Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Reading from James, chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. James says, Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So we're continuing today in our fall sermon series, Better Together, and we're continuing in that focused part of it, doing life together as a family of faith. And to do life together, we are looking specifically at these passages in the New Testament that use that Greek word we talked about last week, alelone. Alelone means one another, and it's used 58 times through the course of the New Testament, giving us encouragement and wisdom and guidance and kind of those practical to-dos, how-tos in the community of faith, how we do life together well. And the one another we're looking at today, it is so central, it is so important to life together in the community of faith. This is the one thing that we do specifically here in the church that no community group, no club, no counselor can offer. This is what we do in the church. We pray for one another. We pray for one another. New Testament has a lot to say about prayer. In the passage we just read, we we heard James instruct us that we ought to pray for one another. He gives us that instruction. But I want us to look at a second passage of scripture as well. This is a story that comes from the life and the ministry of Jesus. And while we have from James this ought to pray, from this story of Jesus, I think we get a little bit better picture of how to pray. So let's look at this story together. If you have your own Bible or a pew Bible or a Bible app on your phone, you're free to read with me. That's going to come from Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Here's what Mark says. He says, when he, being Jesus, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. When they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who could forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. You may not see it at first, but to me, this is a story about prayer. The story teaches us so much about prayer, and specifically, I want us to notice how it teaches us the reason that we pray for one another, the practice of praying for one another, and the result of praying for one another. So first, we're going to talk about the reason. Why, here in the community of faith, why we pray for one another. And on one hand, you could give kind of the churchy Sunday school answer, why do we pray for one another? Well, because the Bible tells us to. That's why, right? Not a bad answer. It's true. That's what James says. He says, call for the elders of the church and have them pray. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. The Bible tells us to, so we pray for one another, right? It's a decent reason, but there's more than that. There's a reason behind the reason. See, we don't pray for one another because for some reason God needs our prayers. We pray for one another because we need those prayers. Think about it in terms of the story of this paralyzed man. I want you to just imagine with me for a moment what life was like for him, what it would mean to be a paralytic in the ancient world. He lived his whole life on a mat, a three-foot-wide, six-foot-long mat. Somebody else has to feed him, carry him, clothe him, move him from side to side to keep him from developing bed sores. Someone has to clean him when he soils himself. He knows nothing of that sense of independence. I can do it by myself-ism that so many of us prize so fiercely. Nothing can be done for him medically. There are no surgeries, no rehab programs, no treatment centers. There's no way for him to contribute to society. Anyone in this man's condition has to go through life as a beggar be laid on the side of the road in, in hopes that people passing by will drop a few coins to keep him alive from day to day. He has no money, he has no job, he has no influence, no family. He seems to not ha have a future. So what, he, what does he have going for him? Well, in short, he has got some really good friends. This guy has probably hands down what could be thought of as the best small group of all time. 
And in a sense, this whole story takes place because of them, because of these friends. For without them, this guy never makes it to Jesus. Without them, he never gets healed. Without them, he never gets forgiven. All the good things that happen in this story flow out of a choice that this group of friends made. And the choice that they made is they met him on his mat. They met him on his mat. This mat, which for all intents and purposes should have created a gulf between them. This three foot by six foot mat, it symbolized all that stood between them. Social stigma, financial pressures, a high cost of time and energy, not to mention his own feelings of shame and grief. All that should have stood between them became instead the bridge that connected them. One to the other. And here's the thing. We have all got a mat. We have all got a mat. And just to bring this home, to make it really real this morning, I want you to participate with me for a moment. Somebody that you're sitting next to, in front or behind or next to, I want you to turn to them and say to one another, you've got a mat. We're doing this now. Crowd participation, go. It could have been meaner and said, I've got a mat, but it's nicer to be able to point at somebody else, right? You've got a mat. Well, it's true. You've got a mat. I could be like Oprah. You've got a mat and you've got a mat. No, we're not going to do it that way. But we do. This is the truth of any gathering of any number of people. We have all got a mat. Let the mat stand as a picture of human brokenness and imperfection. All our fears and frailties, all our grief and shame, all our failing marriages and estranged kids and coworker conflicts. All of our financial meltdowns, emotional breakdowns, and worlds turned upside down by sin and shame and sickness and surgeries, disease, depression, and death. Everybody's got a mat. But I wonder, I wonder how many of us actually let anybody else see our mat? How many of us let anybody else meet us on our mat? You know, you see some people, some doing a whole lot of work, spending their whole lives doing what we might call mat management. Now they pretend they don't have a mat. They could walk anywhere if they wanted to. They are so strong and healthy. They can see other people's mats, sure, but they never reveal their own. Their primary goal is to hide their brokenness from other people's eyes. If this is you, you may get quite good at hiding your mat, but it comes at a cost. A therapist named Will Miller, he wrote a book called Refrigerator Rights, and he observes this. He says, if you talk to any therapist today, the problems we see are mostly mood disorders, depression, anxiety, loneliness, social detachment. As blessed as we are as Americans, as prosperous as we are, there's all this depression, so where is it coming from? I'm convinced it's rooted in the loss of refrigerator rights relationships. He goes on to describe refrigerator rights relationships are the kind of relationships, the kind of friendships you have with somebody that you could go over to their house, 
walk in the door, be comfortable enough that, you know, you're, you're friends enough that you could just go open their refrigerator, pull out some, you know, juice, make a sandwich, whatever. Like, that's the kind of friends you are. You're just comfortable with each other. And he argues that too many Americans suffer mentally and emotionally because they have too few of these kinds of relationships. We kind of laugh at that idea, don't we? Refrigerator rights relationships. We don't allow each other into our refrigerators and we absolutely do not allow each other on our mats. But I'll tell you what, we are the ones who are suffering for it. So the reason we come together and we pray for one another is because we have all got a mat. We've all got one and it is hurting us to keep them hidden. And I think Jesus wants to heal that pain. So here at Knox, we want to do everything we can to offer everyone an opportunity to be met on your mat. That's the reason we pray for one another. So how do we do it? What's the practice? What's the process? Well, back to the story, this group of friends, they had likely spent a whole lot of time caring for their friend in in real and practical, tangible ways, you know, cooking him meals, listening to him, encouraging them and him, and, and these are all good things. But you know, there are some needs that run so deep. There are some problems so severe that only God can provide what's needed. Only prayer can make the difference. Richard Foster, in his book entitled Prayer, writes, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And that will lead us to prayer. And as we see in the story of these friends, the practice of prayer is very, very simple. Prayer is simply bringing people to Jesus. When we pray for one another, we simply bring each other to Jesus. That's what these friends did. They, they heard Jesus was coming around. They'd certainly heard of his power to heal. So, so they did everything they could to bring their friend to Jesus. You know, James writes, he says, that's the, the prayer of faith. He says, the prayer of faith will heal the sick, save the sick. And we think, oh, I could never pray like that. Yeah, you can that's the prayer of faith. It's, it's just bringing people to Jesus. Nowhere in all of scripture do I see anybody not having any doubt or any uncertainty. Every person you meet in scripture has a whole lot of doubt, a whole lot of uncertainty. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody has the right words. And the wonderful thing about it is you don't have to. The prayer of faith is being willing to bring people to Jesus even if you have doubts, even when you have doubts, even if you're not sure, even when you don't have the right words. Jesus doesn't need the right words. Jesus asks you just just to bring people as you are, as they are. Bring them to Jesus and trust him to work because work is what Jesus does best. When we pray for one another, when we meet each other on our mats and bring each other to Jesus, we get to see some amazing results. When we pray for one another, incredible things happen. 
For Jesus can do for us and for our friends far more than we would ever dream to ask. These friends, they they brought this guy to, to Jesus and they thought, oh, he can heal his legs. They thought they were dreaming pretty big, but Jesus' vision was even bigger. Jesus knew what they wanted, and Jesus also knew what this man truly needed. And he looks at him and he says, child, your sins are forgiven. I wonder how, how long had his heart ached to hear those words, to hear that God's not angry with you, God doesn't reject you, God doesn't dislike you, God loves you. Your sins are forgiven. But Jesus also doesn't stop there. Almost as a confirmation of the miracle that's taken place in this man's heart, Jesus goes on. He's been set free in the forgiveness of his sins, and now Jesus makes that freedom visible for everyone to see as he tells him, stand up, take your mat, and go home. Stand up, Jesus says, and take your mat. This mat that had once been a symbol of shame now becomes his badge of honor. Take your mat and walk home. Hold it up for the world to see that now you are free. And that is exactly what he did. In my mind's eye, I see him strutting through that crowd and along city streets for the world to see, saying, you see this mat? I used to be trapped on this mat. I used to feel alone and unloved and unworthy on this mat, but not anymore because I saw Jesus on this mat. And Jesus set me free from this mat. And you know what? He can do the same thing for you. That's what happens when we pray. Make no mistake, our prayers are powerful. The American preacher R.A. Torrey put it this way. He said, prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. All that God is and all that God has at the disposal of prayer. Think of it. All that God is and all that God has at the disposal of prayer, of our prayers, through our prayers for one another, God mends our broken bodies, he heals our broken relationships, and he makes broken hearts whole. I can think of no better result than that. The reason we pray for one another is we've got to meet each other on our mats. The practice of praying for one another is simply bringing people to Jesus. And the result, the result is we get to see Jesus do what only Jesus can do. So all that's left now is to pray, to bring people to Jesus, to allow ourselves to be brought to Jesus. And as we said last week, for the remainder of the series, we're going to give you a very tangible, practical application every week. You're going to have a one another practice. So here it is for this week. We're going to do this, encourage you to do this over the course of this week, and we're going to spend some time doing it this morning. First part of the practice is bring one person to Jesus in prayer. Just think. Think for a minute. See who comes to mind, who you can pray for. It may be somebody that you actually know, something that's going on in their life, you know, a struggle or, or something that's happening that you know, I'm, I'm going to pray for them for that specific thing. Great. Do that. 
But it happens sometimes that God brings somebody to mind that we have no idea why. It's like, I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know. The wonderful thing is God knows. And you can pray for that person. You can bring them to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, here they are. And just spend time this week praying for them. So that's piece number one of the challenge this week. Next one gets a little harder because the second piece is to allow yourself to be brought to Jesus in prayer. This is harder. This is where we have to allow somebody to see us and meet us on our mat. But I want to challenge you to do it. I'll do the same thing. Think of somebody in your life who you can go to and ask to pray for you. Again, it could be for something specific going on, your health, your family, your kids, whatever it may be. You may know, okay, hey, can you pray for this? You may not know, and that's okay too. You can just say, hey, can you pray for me this week? Can you bring me to Jesus? You can do that. Bring someone to Jesus and allow yourself to be brought to Jesus. That's the one another practice for this week, but that's also the one another practice for today. So we're going to do something a little different that we don't always do here at Knox, but I think it's pretty important. We're going to have just a dedicated time of prayer now here in this service. We've got some folks here who are going to pray for you. I'm going to ask them to take their places around the sanctuary now. We've got some volunteers who are part of our prayer ministry team. We've got Darren and Aaron who are on staff, and then myself and Dave will be here as well. Just various places around the room, they're here to pray for you. We're here to pray for you. And I'll tell you, in just a minute here, Tim's going to just play some music. And you can uh, participate in this time of prayer in two ways. One is a little less risky, right? Uh, You've got in your pews there, we've restocked the prayer cards that you can uh, grab one of those and a pen and write down a prayer request. We do that every week. We have those cards available all the time, and and you can write any requests you have for yourself or anything you want. Uh, There's a box on your way out. You can leave those, and depending on who you want to see it, uh, the prayer team, our deacons, our staff, your pastors, we will pray for anything and everything that is written on those cards, and it is our honor to do so. The next steps I'm going to encourage, it is a little riskier uh, for this team. Now, as I've said, they are going to be praying for you during this time, no matter what happens. They have committed that while Tim plays, they're going to be praying. We are going to be praying, and we're going to be praying for those needs that you've already shared over these last weeks or, or, you know, for the things that we know that are going on in your lives. And as I said, even for things that we don't know, we we can pray for all of it as we stand during this time. But we're also here to pray with you. For whatever is going on in your life, whatever is that mat for you, I want to encourage you to come and receive prayer from somebody on this team. Now, I, 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 I know it's scary. It's scary to stand up and walk and ask somebody for prayer because oh, everybody's going to see. Everybody's going to know I've got a mat. Let's go back to the beginning. Everybody's got a mat. Everybody's got a mat, so today could just be the day, the day you stop trying to hide yours, the day you not only let somebody else see your mat, but you bring that mat to Jesus. And today could be the day that Jesus, if you let him, begins to set you free from that mat, because that's what Jesus does.
to grab a card, come receive prayer. And then Dave will close us after a little while with just a corporate prayer together. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For more information on how to get connected here at Knox, please visit knoxprez.org.